Warning. Explicit content. Listener discretion is advised. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Great Northeast BJJ Podcast. This is Season 3, Episode 8. In this episode, I got to sit down with professional mixed martial artist Leslie Smith. She's fought everywhere from Bellator to Invicta and then the UFC. She's currently training at El Nino Training Center. She's also the leader of the Project Spearhead. She's been in the news a lot lately because of a dispute with the UFC and Project Spearhead, so make sure you check out the podcast. Go find out about Project Spearhead. I think it's an important um, cause if you're into mixed martial arts. So super fortunate to have met Leslie. We sat down after she taught an MMA class, and I'm really grateful uh, that I got the opportunity to spend time and talk to her about her life, mixed martial arts, jiu-jitsu, and, uh, and what she's currently getting into. As always, this podcast is brought to you by Tortuga Soap. Tortuga Soap is going to make you smell better. It's going to make you cleaner. And people like people who smell good and are clean. So check them out at tortugasoap.com. Also brought to you by Port City BJJ, located in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. Visitors, always welcome. Portcitybjj.com. Also, please check out WeAreDapperTies.com. We are Dapper Ties, two brothers. They're into ties like I'm into grappling. Go check them out, buy some ties. Even better, enter the discount code ROLL and get free shipping. We appreciate all you guys and girls listening out there. Hopefully we'll meet you one of these days. We'll come to your academy. Send us a message. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook. Um, we really appreciate all the support. So hopefully we'll see you soon. Thanks, everybody. Peace. Welcome to the Great Northeast BJJ Podcast. I introduced earlier, but I'm George. It's really nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, yeah. George. I am. So Leslie, Leslie Smith. Yeah. From where are you from originally? California? Yeah, I grew up in Southern California. I started like Pasadena is where I lived for a long time. And then, but I started training when I was in Colorado Springs. Yeah. And now I'm in the Bay Area in San Francisco. Training at Caesar Gracie's? Yeah, that's where I started. I, I love Caesar Gracie's. Um, definitely a place where I learned the most jujitsu and set the foundation. Yeah. But I have transitioned since then to making my base Gilbert Melendez's yeah. gym, El oh, yeah. Training Center. Nice. He's a yeah. beast. Yeah. Yeah, uh. he is. And you know what's a great thing about him too is that a lot of people who are really successful competitors are not very good coaches. Yeah. But he's an amazing coach as well. Nice. Uh. I mean, he's so he, he's like affiliated with the Diaz brothers. Oh and, yeah, totally. They're, they're the whole like, scrap pack. Yeah. They're all together. Gracie fighters. Yes. So what were you doing in Colorado? I was living life. Um, I think I was like, gosh, like 21 to 25. I was out there for a couple of years. Nice. Did a lot of acid. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I was partying it up out there yeah. and then I decided it was time to get healthy. And so I I changed my lifestyle around, and so that's when I found fighting. It's and a good place to do it. It got me healthy, I'll tell you what. Uh, 
we, my, my wife and I used to live in uh, Colorado for a long time. We lived in uh, Breckenridge, and, uh, and I went to see Boulder for a while. Cool. Yeah, I used, we used to go to the Springs, though. Nice. Uh, the Garden of the Gods, right? Yeah. And, uh, some, we did some other stuff down there. It's, it's a cool place. It was a beautiful place. I miss living there. Yeah. It was hard for me to leave there because I, I, everywhere that I lived out there, I was like two miles less, two miles or less away from National Park. Yeah. So I could just go anytime I felt like it. It could be like nine o'clock at night, and I could be like, I'm gonna camp outside, and I would just drive somewhere and set up my tent and bring my dog and be good to go. It's a good spot too because like where you were. You're right next to the mountains, but also like the desert, you know? So I feel like it's warm. Like one of the biggest things I miss, we lived in a ski resort, but like we would in the middle of winter, we were big into rock climbing and uh, we would drive to like the front range or Moab, you know, all within a couple hours and be in like, you know, shorts and sandals. And uh, I miss that a lot. You can't do that in New Hampshire. <laughs> hey, I'm curious. You said you did a bunch of rock climbing. Yeah. Did you do slacklining too? Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. I think slackline is like the coolest thing ever. They go hand in hand. They go hand in hand. Yeah, definitely. There's not a lot of people slacklining here, but all, almost all, anybody that like rock climbs goes slacklining. You know what I mean? I feel like, um, yeah, we used to have a lot of people. Like we would go, I don't know if you know where Canyon City is, but we would go to Canyon City a lot, which is in that vicinity. Um, but yeah, slacklining, that's something we haven't done in a long time. Uh, super hard. It's like my new favorite thing. <laughs> nice. Totally, and it's all from Instagram, for me nice. at least. I just saw cool pictures on Instagram, yeah. and then I was like, I wanna do that. Have you ever seen the people that highline? I, w I want to it's do insane. that so bad. I went to, um, a high line was set up at Yosemite and yeah. I went out there, but I, I didn't even know how to rock climb very right. well. So right. like you had to rock climb like 120 feet up even to get to the line. And they were like, hmm, you haven't done this before, huh? Maybe not the best first, uh, first time. In hindsight, I think I could have done it. I oh, should have yeah. pushed a little bit harder to get them to let me do it. Right. But I was trying to be respectful. And you know when you can tell people are like, yeah, I'll show you. Right, right. You know, like, fine. My wife and I got engaged in Yosemite. Yeah? Yes. On uh, on the top of North Dome. Oh, that's and awesome. And Tuolumne Meadows, if you know. Uh, what a rock climbing way to get <laughs> totally. engaged. I, uh, I pretended like I was like, I was like, oh, looking on the dirt, and I was like, oh, look what I found. I can't believe I just found this thing. And I like had the ring, and it was all like, uh, <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> it was uh, it was cool. So how did you get into jujitsu, though? Like, did you start jujitsu first, or like just like MMA, or what? I started everything all at the same time, and I never got to train with a black belt. I didn't put on a gi except for maybe once or twice until I moved from Colorado to the Bay Area, and that was when I got to Caesar Gracie's yep. Academy and put on a gi and started learning things in a little bit more structured way. I love the gi. I'm so glad that I put a gi on. Like, I love fighting in general, and I, I, I want to do all of it for as long as I can, but when I'm 80 years old, I don't really see myself sparring Muay Thai for kicks but I definitely still see myself putting on a gi and rolling around. Totally. It, people do it, people do it. I I love, I mean, I'm, I'm focused on jujitsu too and I love it. I mean, that's like, but I love no gi and Devin gets me here once in a while and they'll like punch me in the face and it's, it's a different thing. But as you get older, as I have gotten older, I like to 
get punched less. Uh, I like pajama wrestling a lot, though. Pajama wrestling, it just, uh, I like how it slows everything down. Yeah. Because my mind couldn't get things as quickly as they were happening when it was nogi. And now I have a much better understanding and a much better picture because I eat more. <laughs> right. Uh-huh. But um, I really needed the ghee for a long time to get a better understanding of everything and and now i feel i can go back and forth but sometimes it's cold and i don't really want totally. people to touch me and so i put <laughs> on a key so i got a little bit more of a barrier how uh so what was what was the reason why you started in the first place well okay so the mma that i started that took me towards mma and jujitsu and everything i did that because i was just trying to get healthy and i happened to watch an MMA class and I was like if I do this can I really hit people as hard as I can <laughs> and they said yes and so I was like okay I'm in but I had actually started uh, I had um, my first foray into martial arts had happened about six months before that I had just gotten back from I went to Ecuador for three months and taught English in this like village random community and I spent all my money and so when I came back I just needed a job and so I just walked down the street applying to every place that I could and the first place that hired me was a bar and they everyone that was they hired me as a bouncer before <laughs> I knew anything and um, and everybody that bounced there they all did martial arts out of the backyard of this guy red so I spent like six months doing it was like a mixture of uh, Thai Kung Fu and Sea Lot and like, and boxing, like kind of just all the stuff that this guy thought was cool. And um, eventually I, ha I didn't get to keep doing that though, because they, when they found out I was doing MMA, they were like, um, <laughs> they were like, hey, you got to choose one. They were like, you can either do this, which is going to save your life or the dark side yeah or you can just go get applauded by people go <laughs> go be like a, a monkey and a clown and go get an applause from an audience and you know the the it's general be like a movie yeah right like a karate movie well the general rule about ultimatums is that whoever <laughs> gives you the ultimatum that's the one that you walk away from right so. that's good that's a good uh rule to live by you know what i mean yeah it actually is um so a lot of people train jujitsu and MMA and Muay Thai and all these things and don't fight, but you started fighting. Like, did it take a while? Did you know you wanted to fight right off the bat? Like I fought a month after I started training. No way. Yeah. It was it was a lot faster even than I thought it would be. Um, but you know, everybody wanted to see a chick fight back then. It was yeah. 10 years ago. Everyone yeah. just wants to see the women in the ring, the girl fight, the chick fight. When uh, they asked me if I wanted the fight, and at first I thought about saying no because I didn't want to just be part of some like freak show fight. But then, but then I really wanted to fight. So I was like, yeah, I'll do it. Cause I didn't know if I'd fight back. Right. You know, like I didn't, I'd always like to think that I was a person who would fight, but until you're really in a situation, it's hard to know how you would react. Not you, me. Right, right. You know, anybody. anybody. Yeah. yeah. So and nobody knows until it happens. Mm -mm. So I got lucky that, uh, that I turned out to be a fighter. Uh -huh.
it was um, it was a lot of fun. I, it was only one month. In fact, so remember the where I was just saying that it was like a freak show kind of fight. Yeah. How I got introduced for that fight was luscious Leslie Smith. <laughs> oh yes. And the other chick was delightful Danette Benamino. Yes. Which is like really funny for anybody looking at me who's ever seen me. Like I can put on makeup and like a push-up bra. Like you know, <laughs> I, I could probably carry off luscious Leslie like maybe 15 years ago. But, but it's like wrestling, like names. Yeah, and like that's, it's not my personality at all. Right. Maybe, maybe Danette was a little bit more delightful than I was luscious, but like, it was just funny, you know, it was just the, the guy was playing to the crowd and that was what the crowd wanted to hear. What was the venue like? It was in Colorado Springs. It was the city auditorium in Colorado Springs. They still have fights there. It was the No Mercy Extreme show with um, Natalie and, oh no, I'll think of it, Natalie and Gary. And they put on this show and it was, it was a super fun show. You know, it was, it's different when I go to shows now. So like that crowd was a lot like an Invicta crowd. Are you familiar with yeah. Invicta? Oh, yeah, yeah. And, um, now it seems like a lot of the local shows that I go to, they are almost more like UFC crowds because it's people who go and they just want to get drunk and go to MMA because they're like, yeah, dude, MMA is cool. Um, but back then, it felt like it was more like similar to the jujitsu crowds. Like, you know, man, I love going to jujitsu crowds. I was at a fight to win show recently. Nice. Yeah, Seth. Um, Seth on, Daniels. Yeah, he yep. puts on great shows. They're they're amazing. And it brings such a respectable crowd out. Like yeah. they're quiet and they're paying attention and they clap when something impressive happened. And I feel like that's how it was when I first started because people there were either it wasn't so trendy to be into MMA. Not that I'm dissing on MMA for being trendy. Like that's a good thing. I I hope it trends all over. Money the place. wise, right? Yeah. But but as far as the attitude of the people right. who were there, they were all friends or supporters or family of whoever it was that was competing. So they were like respectful and just wanted everyone there to do good. Even if you were the opponent, they were like, hey, thank you for stepping in the cage with my friend, as opposed to the just bleed and like right. quit hugging right. kind of crap. Scream, like quit being a pussy, whatever. Like people, you know, some lazy person in the crowd, like calling people cowards, like, you know, I have a hard time at MMA fights sometimes because it's just like, oh, yeah, that, you know, like where there, you know, there's there's people in the crowd that are screaming like, you know, he's a coward or whatever. And it's like, just fight. Yeah. And it's like, dude, you get in there for one round. Yeah. You know, but Not, or or even just make the walk to the cage. Yeah. Without pissing your pants. Right. I still wonder if I'm going to pee my pants <laughs> when I walk to the cage. <laughs> And like that's my once I get to the cage I'm like whew I like got past that hurdle good to go yeah yeah seriously so so how, how many fights have you had was, was that an amateur fight you started or were there no I that was an amateur yeah, fight yeah. I had three amateur fights amateur MMA fights and then I had three Muay Thai fights in Thailand and those are all professional even the like six-year-olds they're getting right. paid it's all pro and then um, I came back and I went professional, and I had I had I have set eighteen excuse me eighteen professional MMA fights. How so? Did you live in Thailand for a while? 
I was there for three months, and then I went back for another month, and then another two months. So oh. I've had like six months all together out there. Like, where where were you in town? Were you in like the city or the? I was at this gym called Khao San Reed that is south. It's a suburb of Bangkok, mm -hmm. and it's a really cool gym. And they'll they'll they take uh, like there's a bunch of people, Thai people who live there, like a bunch of kids that just live there, and then the professional fighters that live there and the trainers live there but it's also a camp where foreigners can come and stay at the camp and I feel like a lot of my success as far as my professional MMA career came from going there and seeing how they train as professionals because it's really easy um, it's really easy to just go to one class and then be like, oh, there's my hour, and then go take a shower and take off. And it's not always like, you you know, sometimes it, it in order to get, I mean, well, how about you? Like, you know, at the level that you're at and how long you've been doing it, like, did you just do one hour classes, like executive, or were you spending like all day there? And like, it was like on your mind all the time. Like the time. everything else faded out of significance and it was just the jujitsu that was important. Yeah, I mean, it's. I think about it all the time. Train like I taught class this morning, I'm back here tonight. And I'm 43. <laughs> you know what I mean? But those guys also are like bringing a level because they're like. I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but like, they're poor Thai people, right? That are like doing this to get like not be a farmer or something, right? Or to get like to make money, which may not be that much to us, but is probably a lot to them. Is that mm -hmm. wrong or? No, I think that you're right. Um, the first fight that I had, they paid me and I was like, yay, thanks. And then <laughs> I actually kept hitting the chick after the bell because I didn't hear it. <laughs> and I felt kind of badly about that. And, and also like I was just going out there to do it for kicks, but I realized that other people are doing it for life. And so I gave her the money that I made and she was like, thanks. Like, appreciative yeah. I mean just for the gesture of being like here you go I I think I don't know but yeah the kids that are out there fighting there some of them are supporting their families my coach uh, the wooden man Johnson on he fought and he bought his parents a house yeah. when he was 17 and it's the house that they're still in today I got to go out there and visit and yeah it uh, it's like a seriousness on another level, which makes it so much more impressive that they can do it without without very much ego, that they can be in there and sparring with each other. And like, they're not trying to kill each other in sparring. That's a totally American thing to do. Right. They're like learning and then going out to get the actual things. It was funny, like, because I've been around, I've seen a lot of people killing each other in sparring. And then I talked to Joe Lozon and he was like, I don't even spar between like camps ever. Like, I was like, really? You know, like that's was profound to me at the time. I was like, wow, I just, but it's super smart, you know, like for long term, you know, no ego, like smart training. Mm -hmm. uh, but I just came back from Mexico yesterday yeah. and uh, I feel like it's a similar, like there's guy, I met a guy who pretty much was the first jujitsu guy in Mexico, like way back in the day. And uh, he's like third degree black belt now, he, and he's amazing. But I was thinking like, man, it's a whole different thing. Like in America, like I started jujitsu, it's just fun. Like, you know, 
these guys are like doing it to, and they're they got an MMA program and they're really like trying to you know it, it means something different to them than it does to me being coming from where they're coming from and coming from where I'm coming from I guess you know they got maybe more hunger or like um, but I would like to I've never been to Thailand so that's why I'm curious about uh, I would love to go seems like an awesome place it is an awesome place it's tons of fun and everybody out there is really excited about jujitsu yeah. or at least they were i mean it's been five or six years since i went there but i bet that you could go anywhere and trade a couple jujitsu lessons for some muay thai classes do uh do a lot of like are there thai people training mma like getting into mma you don't see a lot of that there's not a ton of that. There are some over at Evolve Training Center in Singapore. Yeah. And they're fighting in 1FC. Yeah. Um, I'm not so good at saying his name. Huh. Dej Demarang. I, I know it starts with a D-E-J. He's a super cool guy. He's a Thai and a Thai champion, Muay Thai champion. And he won one of his fights with a rear naked choke. Yeah. So, I mean... I think, you know, I've always thought that it's really hard for a lot of people to get to the top level at whatever they're doing, their specialized sport, and then be like, all right, I'll just go ahead and friggin' bungee jump down to the lower level, except for it doesn't bounce back up. Like, it comes up very slowly. I think it's really hard for a lot of people to do that. Start at the bottom. After yeah. having reached the pinnacle. Totally. Or a pinnacle. Um, speaking of, I think one FC Gary Tonin's. He, he's like king of jujitsu right now, one of the kings. Yeah. And just went and started training and took an MMA fight and won in boxing, basically. Yeah. Which is pretty awesome. Um, so you've had, you fought like the top of the, you fought some tough women, you know? I don't have to tell you that. You already know, <laughs> right? I fought quite a few people. Um, you know, I wish that my past couple fights in the UFC, especially now that I'm not even in the UFC anymore as of Saturday. However, I got to stop saying that because we're going to try to fight that. Yeah. Um, my, I tried to renegotiate my contract after my opponent didn't make weight. And then they were like, well, we're just going to give you your show and win. And then that'll count as your last fight on the bout. But I, I didn't say yes or accept that. I mean, I, I'm, I'm spending the money. <laughs> I got to eat. I, I was broke. Um, but I'm viewing that as like, as uh, as they're just honoring the New Jersey contract. Um, I got off topic. That's all, no, it's all right. So you had just won two fights in a row, right? You've won like your last yeah, two? Yeah. And at, at Bantamweight, I actually have three fights in a row because my loss was to Cyborg. Right. And that was at 140. What? At a catch weight. Right. So what do you, you, so what do you, like, what do you walk around at? I'm like 150, 48 to 52. Yeah. Um, so you won your last, so let's talk, I guess let's just talk about Project Spearhead, yeah, right? I mean, yeah. so you, when did you, like, did you start it? Yes. So you started Project Spearhead. So yeah. basically a fighter's union, right? Yeah, it's working. So it's called Project Spearhead because the idea is that it's spearheading the movement to get a union or an organization in place. 
it's not actually a union yet because we don't have the ability to unionize unless we're employees. So what it is is we're collecting authorization cards, totally confidential. The UFC, nobody will ever know who has signed the cards. Nobody knows who has signed the cards yet. Um, And collecting those cards, we just need to get 30% of the roster. And then we hand it to the National Labor Relations Board and they will look at our situation and decide if we're employees or independent contractors. And if we're employees, then we have to have an election. So Project Spirit isn't even guaranteed um, to become the union if there is going to be a union. Anybody can just show up and run for being elected as the union. I'm not guaranteed to be the president. I'm just spearheading the whole thing. So the big deal, or one of the big deals in this, right, would be like, I mean, the difference between an independent contractor and an employee is like workman's comp stuff and like um, like whether you they pay part of your taxes or you pay the whole thing, right? And mm-hmm. like what other stuff? I mean, there's more. Yeah, the ability to unionize would right. give us um, benefits and like a like a retirement. Yeah, yeah, retirement and medical insurance. We still don't even have actual medical insurance. All we have is liability insurance in case something happens during the fight or if something happens during training. There's a fifteen hundred dollar deductible. Um, but if like I had any other kind of problem. I mean, we're we fighters end up being pretty healthy for the most part, but like if I if I had an asthma attack or got cancer or got like a spider bite or like none of that would be covered by the UFC. So you basically have to insure yourself. That would be a if, good idea. Right, right. Like, I mean, like monetary, but which is expensive. I mean, if you've got a fifteen hundred dollar deductible. Yeah. Like, I mean, that's pretty high. Uh, yeah, that's pretty tough. Especially for people who are only making $10,000. Right. Only once or twice a year. Right. Yeah. Because, I mean, I as I understand, there's a lot of ro- people on the roster right now. So not a lot. Like, you don't get as m- many fights as you used to. No. And that's kind of one of the issues, too, is that the UFC has this habit of shelving fighters. They have people on the roster, but they don't give them fights. So what it does is it, it basically milks their fight career without letting them get the fights against the high-level opponents and and get the fights, period, because they're not able to shop around for promotions that want to have them. So the first step is you got to get 30% of the fighters on the roster to sign the, the card. And then after that... And then after that, we have to have an election. And assuming that we get determined to be independent contractors. Right. But it's such a good chance that we're going to be determined. Like strippers and FedEx workers, cheerleaders recently. And I'm saying this not like, oh my God, can you believe strippers got it? I'm like, dude, that's hella respectable. Right. Like, this is their livelihood. And they were like, hey, we're not getting treated right. And the law should protect us. We're going to do something about it. Let's unify each other. Let's use our voice and let's freaking get what we're owed. And so that's what fighters need to do. It seems like, too, an independent contractor to me is someone who works like for different organizations. Like, oh, I'm going to work here for these guys for a job. And then I'm going to do a job over here. 
the fighters can't you can't do that if you're in contract with the ufc right i mean when you're in their contract you fight for the ufc and that's it so how could you not be an employee yeah technically i think that as long as we don't have a bout scheduled the last time i checked the bout agreement it said we could do some other competition if it was 90 days away from a bout but i just saw that they made robert whitaker pull out of the australia games some kind of games. Yeah. Oh, I hope I'm not saying the wrong country or anything. No, I think that that's where he's. That from. makes sense. I think so it makes sense to me. <laughs> Good. They made him. Uh, they didn't force him. Like you're fired if you don't. But they said that if he competed and he got hurt, that they would take away his belt. They would strip him of the belt. And like that is uh, that's. I'd say that that is putting a lot of pressure on someone to make a decision. It's a strong suggestion. Yes. Um, we don't, by the way, we don't let facts get in the way of a good story here on this podcast. <laughs> so don't worry about countries or anything like that. So, so basically you had, you started this thing that's going to cause kind of a, a problem for, for, you know, people that own an organization that, that maybe don't want to pay their health insurance for employees. And then we're winning fights. And so you had a fight scheduled for coming up and the, the chick you were fighting didn't make weight. Yeah. And you had one fight left on your contract and you just, you wanted to renegotiate then and they were just like, we'll buy you out. Yeah, I was like, uh, so I read the New Jersey contract and it said that if the contest fails to happen after the athlete has made weight, got in all the medicals done, been licensed, done everything they need to do, then they're owed the total amount on the contract. And on the contract, it said 31 to show and 31 to win. And total amount doesn't have a whole lot of other interpretations. Right. So I was like, hey, you guys, she didn't make weight. So that our contract is off. The contracted amount was 35 plus one. So I was like, she didn't make weight. And so I would like to use this opportunity to negotiate to add another two fights to my contract at $100,000 flat. And they were like, hell no. <laughs> and I was like, okay, what about just 100,000? And they were like, no. Um, uh, they thought that I was saying 100 and 100. And I was like, no, no, just 100. Right, right. I'm not greedy right, over here. Right. And then uh, finally, I was like, well, what if we just add one more fight at my current rate? And they said no. Right. And instead of letting me fight, because that was another idea, I was like, well, what if I fight, get all this money, and then have another fight afterward? They were like, no, we don't, we don't want, we're just going to give you money and then be done. I don't, seems like that probably doesn't happen that often. No. You know what I mean? No, you know, people have been telling me about Ian McCall getting paid his show and his win money. I need to look up what happened there. Maybe I should, maybe I should Google that before I do any more podcasts. <laughs> right? Stinking facts. Uh, we already talked about facts. <laughs> we already talked about those. So, so now you got lawyer, you got lawyers involved. Yeah, I do. I do. We're gonna file. Um, we're gonna file some charges with the National Labor Relations Board mm -hmm. so that, so that, I mean, it's illegal what they did. It's federally illegal. That's the whole reason that that whole Department of Government exists is because 
employees need the right to unionize. And if an employer is going to take action that is intimidating and creates a climate of fear and is retaliatory, then then they need to be held accountable. And so this is just the next step in the journey. It's too bad my UFC career had to end with it. Hopefully it won't end with right. it. Hopefully I'll get another know. fight. Right. We got the lawyers involved. I never agreed to that. I, like, I don't see the way that it ended as being the end of my contract. Hopefully I'll get another fight. You're like, haha, who's sticking to the contract <laughs> now? <laughs> so kind of a cool thing for me, right? Cause I'm in the history. And so we're in a mill right now. Like this is an old mill building. Yeah. And so this area, like, the towns all around here in the Industrial Revolution were all like gnarly factories, like where people were working for nothing and there was no unions and like, this is way back in the day. And uh, the town where I grew up, which is next to here, Dover, New Hampshire, is uh, was the same way, all like shoe shops and like just old cotton mills, like they would ship the cotton up and the working conditions were like deplorable. Like no weekends. And yeah. Kids oh, were working, kids are working. No There's breaks. yeah, you're getting paid nothing. You know, it's just it was brutal, just killing people, and literally, right? yeah, literally, literally, like work you to death for nothing, for nothing. You know, and the in Do and there's a lot of women working in the mills in Dover, and Dover, New Hampshire was the first time women went on strike anywhere. Really? Yeah, anywhere. Right, the town next to ours. So there's like a historic thing there and like kind of what you're doing you know what I mean like things like that were promoting people to get together and unionize and like make conditions better for all the people dying in the mills to make one guy rich you know and what you're doing is kind of the same it sounds like the same thing you know I mean I know a lot of fighters and like most of them are not making a ton of money you're putting like your bodies on the line for entertainment for for people and for a few you know the people that own the organizations to make good money but most fighters i've i know how you know i've seen how it goes is they don't come out out of the fights with a lot of money at the end you know because they got to pay a lot of money to to get through the camp and all that stuff yeah so you know maybe you know hope i mean do people the other fighters like and you don't obviously have to name names or anything like that but they, they're into it. Yeah, people are getting more into it. People were a little bit reluctant at first because they were scared of retaliation right. from the UFC. And, and uh, you know what just happened to me right now? It kind of made a couple headlines here and there. And, and so it'll be interesting to see how that plays out, if it's going to make people more worried or if it's going to sort of galvanize the troops and make them be like, no, this isn't... This isn't okay, and hopefully that's what's going to happen. Um, I've gotten, I've gotten a lot of people have reached out to me in, in messages on Instagram and Twitter and stuff, saying good things, nice. and and you know we just we we're just going to keep plugging away. Like we're going to get it. We're on track. The cards are only valid for a year, and they started. The first one was signed on the twelfth. And so on February 12th. So we have until February 12th to get the, it's about 200 cards signed. Yeah. And I'm really confident in it. Nice. Yeah. That's awesome. So what are you doing like 
What are you doing here right now in New Hampshire? How'd you end up here? I'm just cruising around. You know, I've always wanted to go to Maine. We're right <laughs> next to Maine. I'm excited about going and checking it out. We're going to go get some lobster yeah, after this, which is good. such... I mean, do other do people from other countries do that? Like that they go to a location specifically so they can eat something? Yeah. Oh, I I'm so glad. So. Yeah. Good. Um, I was just in Oaxaca, and uh, I didn't know this, but Oaxaca is known for like hot chocolate. And this yeah. is a hot place, but it's like makes sense because like the uh, you know you're near where the cacao comes from, I guess. So uh-huh. like we're at a restaurant. And uh, these guys are like telling me, and I threw a jujitsu guy in Mexico City that I met. He's like, "Oh, you got to go to this restaurant." So I'm like, "All right, we'll go to that. We'll check it out." So I brought my wife and my I got a six year old daughter, and uh, they were like, "It's hot. The hot chocolate. It's like chocolateria or something." I was like, "Andrea, you know, get some hot chocolate." She drinks. She's had hot chocolate before, but this was like you know unrefined. Like the this is like from the source. She was on fire after this thing. She was like <laughs> bouncing off the walls, you know, like. Bee! So yeah, I think people do that everywhere. Like you know, places are known for like something. You got to go do it. Cool. Right? Yeah, you got to. Was it that really thick hot chocolate that you could dip a, dip a pastry? Great. Yeah. So like, and it was like they come out with a a jug and like, and like a you know like a mortar and pestle type thing, and like they do some grinding in there, and uh, and then they had like these moles that are like chocolate-like too, which was there, um, which is like a Oaxaca thing, Uh. which was very cool. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I think you gotta do stuff like that, right? You gotta like, I mean, I've been, you know, out west where Maine lobsters are like 40 bucks a piece, or even in Colorado, like, you can't get Maine lobsters. You get like ones from Mexico, which aren't as good. Maine lobsters are good. You're gonna love it. I'm so excited. you're gonna love it. but so, but are you, and you're leaving, you're just going through, you're just passing through to like. Yeah, I, I, I gotta take my rental car back to Philadelphia tomorrow at two o'clock. Yeah. Yep, so I'm making the most of this uh-huh. little trip, just cruised up here, and then I'm heading back down. Nice, nice. So, um, what do you think's next? Like, after you, after you return the rental car? Mm, I'm gonna fly home and. Uh, Gosh, we'll see. I'm going to fly back home to San Francisco. I'm going to keep training. Um, you know, I've got I've got a whole team of people. I've got Carrie Melendez. She's she's solid and I want to go train with her and be part of her career and maybe I'm going to get to talk to some other promotions and see what's up with opportunities and other promotions. Maybe get to go travel to some other countries. That could be fun. Really, I'm excited about being able to focus a lot on my jujitsu. Nice. Yeah. Awesome. I've been really excited about that. I've been looking at my geese uh, longingly for a little <laughs> while now. But it doesn't. It's nice to stay with the gi and to, to keep it going even during training camp. But sometimes. Like, it just gets hard to fit everything in. Oh, yeah. And totally. at the back of my head, I'm like, oh, I should be doing nogi. Totally. I should be doing some striking. Or I should be doing some running. And so it's sometimes it's hard to be relaxed enough for me to put on a gi when I'm about to fight. So I'm really excited about getting to do a lot of that and getting to go all over the place and just get back into into the jujitsu. Nice. How can people help you? Like, if they want, like, just regular people, like, can regular people help you in this project spearhead or any of this stuff 
There is, oh man. It's shameless plugs are totally cool. Shameless I plug, you see me? I am all about me. it, I am all about it. I'm I, the king. I have a GoFundMe. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, it's, um, I shared it on my Instagram and on my, just, it's on It's on the bio on my Instagram. And my Instagram is at Leslie Smith MMA. And it's for legal costs. It's not so that I can go and party in Cancun. <laughs> I'll use my own money for that. Right, right. Um, it's to pay legal costs because we're going against a $4 billion company. And frequently litigation turns into a war of resources. Totally. And they definitely have more resources than I do. So that uh, that's what it's going to be. And the other thing is, um, can you guys get on my Twitter? I'm at Leslie Smith underscore GF or my Instagram and shut down some of these clowns who are talking a bunch of smack. You know what, there's people who come on and they say unions never helped anybody. Oh, yeah, no, they say no. unions are yeah. not the reason that people have work days, right. that people have weekends or anything. They say it's because of the um, capitalism yeah, and right. the fact that it ended up making more money for people if they treated their employees fairly. Oh my God, I, I can't even with those people. You can't argue with that, but if you look at history, if you just look back at history and you come, like go down to Lowell or where we are right now and you look at what the Industrial Revolution was like or, or coal mines or wherever it is, I don't care. Yeah. Like capital, I'm not anti-capitalism at all. Yeah. However, the corporation is interested in making money for the people at the top and not if they can squeeze more money out of uh i mean unless you're talking about patagonia or something like that who is a little different but like if they could pay you 12 cents an hour and get away with it they're gonna pay you 12 cents an hour because it's smart business smart business and there needs to be a force that checks and balances those kinds of smart business moves. Right. Even though smart business is actually taking care of the employees. Right. I think that the UFC is going to be way better off once we solve the labor issue and once fighters are able to take care of themselves and their families and their responsibilities a little bit more effectively with the more money. I mean, they're doing it now, but they'd be able to do it a whole lot easier if they had some more money and they'd be able to be happier. And man, can you imagine how much better the fights would be if people weren't fighting hurt because right. they were broke? Because everybody's hurt. Every fight, everybody's hurt. Yeah. I am I'm amazed after seeing a lot of camps that anybody even makes it to the fights. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like that. I mean, it's like, man, people get beat up in camps and to even, you know, yeah. I, I, I find it hard to believe that anybody's not hurt out there in the fight, you know, when they get there. Yeah. Um, but just because you're for unions does not make you anti-capitalism, you know? No. And so people now, it's, everything is black and white. It's almost like, it's like, oh, if you're this, you're against that. It doesn't have to be that way. But you got to look back at history, you know, without unions... We'd all be, you know, working in the coal mine, dying of black lung right now because, and that's just a fact. Yeah. Um, that is just a fact. So people got to take band together or else nobody, you know, nobody's going to, it's just like, you know, who's going to take care of you? You're going to wait for somebody else to take care of you? You're going to take care of yourself. You got to take care of yourself, right? Uh, but you can't like you can't you can't argue on Twitter with anybody. <laughs> uh, it's so hard. I've been blocking people 
I've been like, mm, I'll argue with someone and then I'll be like, no, no, it's feeding the trolls. <laughs> yeah. And then I'll just try to delete it and then block it. It's um, it's like some mental jujitsu yeah. over there is like practicing just not, you know, I actually try to think about that. Like when I'm driving is uh, when I'm driving, when I'm on social media is I think about how if I was doing jujitsu right now, then I wouldn't let, first off, I wouldn't react immediately. Like I wouldn't show them that I have a reaction. You know, when someone's like <sighs> breathing hard or like all oh, they're all tight or tense or like, you know, you know, like if I grab your your pant leg, I see your hand going down there. So I do that so I can or grab you your feel, wrist. You even feel like somebody like squeeze right before they do something. Yeah. Or breathe in like, <gasps> like they're gonna do this explosive uh, movement. Exactly. Yeah, totally. So I'm like, okay, I need to be more jujitsu like yeah. in these things that I'm doing. I can't let them get past my guard. I got it. <laughs> Patient, just not let it, not, not let emotion you know, make me burn my, all my energy up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So no, I think I think what you I think what you're doing is important, man. I mean, who no, you know, the owners of the organization are not going to look out for the fighter. You know, to, only to the extent that it's going to help them. That's just a natural. It doesn't make you anti, you know, or a socialist or whatever the you know. No. I mean, it just makes you someone looking out for, you know. I'm not even anti-UFC. Right. I like fighting in the UFC. I appreciate the fact that the UFC is the vehicle that brought MMA to the mainstream. I think that's wonderful. I want them to keep doing it, but I want them to do it with fighter input and take care of their fighters. Think about any other legitimate like sport. Has a union, right? Yeah. Football, basketball, baseball, hockey. Yeah. They all have unions. Yep, and, and you know, there's a lawsuit against the UFC right now. The UFC's lawyers came in and they said that the reason that the UFC doesn't get paid like everybody else isn't because of their monopolistic practices, because that's what the, Uf the, the lawsuit is about, um, that it's because we don't have a union. The UFC lawyers I admitted it. said right. that it's because we don't have a union that we're not getting paid. Yeah. They're just like dumbing us right there. Haha. <laughs> 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 oh man, gets yeah. me fired up just yeah. thinking about that one. For sure. I mean, this is your you know your career is not long as a fighter. Uh, you got to get paid while you can. You know. So everybody out there, find Leslie on Twitter. Say nice things. Yeah, say nice things. You know what? That's way better than talking to the trolls. Just just say nice things. <laughs> So that the trolls aren't, e they don't even matter. So they'll be like a speck of sand in like the middle of good sand. That's it. That's it. <laughs> Thank I'm sorry, you. I don't want to interrupt. I just want to say I really enjoyed the class. Yes. It, it was great. I, I don't do enough like working off the cage and against the wall. And it's definitely like my weakest point. So it's really awesome being able to drill it. And I feel a lot more confident. So. Oh, good. I'm glad. Yeah. You looked good. Oh, thanks. I don't even know if like you got to really see me because I know I was kind of rotating in and out with like group of three, but I stuck my head around for just a second, okay. but you looked confident when I saw you. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Well, 
Alright. <laughs> you, you, uh, Thank you, you. Are you available for seminars? People want to. So we just oh, had yeah. a testimonial there. Right. Uh, so are you, yeah, are, you, are, you, are you open to seminars? I am open for seminars. And um, I, I love to travel. I will go anywhere for a seminar. Nice. Um, yeah, reach out to me on Twitter. Just say, hey, I want to do a seminar. And I'll be like, okay. And I'll follow you. And then we can figure stuff out on DMs and I'll give you my phone number and we can plan it. Like, I love traveling. I love to go anywhere and I really enjoy seminars. Um, if I would say the thing, <laughs> the thing that we did tonight that is probably the main thing that I feel like, you know, there's jujitsu people and they're great at what they do. And I don't, I, I'm good. Like I've never been submitted. Um, like I'm great with the defense, but I know that that's also not how my mind straight goes to. I'm definitely more of a striker and more of a controller. And I think more position mm -hmm. for the ground and pound. Mm -hmm. So, and, and then there's great strikers and Muay Thai people. And I feel like that my best thing for a seminar is putting it all together. And I think that the, um, the place where it all comes together the most is wall work. And like so many fights end up against the wall. I feel like it's a great chance to tie together the, the grappling and the striking and the pressure and then using the prop of the wall. And it's really fun. I enjoy the wall. So if you want a <laughs> nice. wall working seminar, if, I mean, I'll do it all, but um, that, that's what I enjoy the most. Nice. Thank you so much. I appreciate you spending time hanging out with me, talking about this. Thank awesome. you for letting yeah. me come and talk. This was awesome. 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 Let's get you some lobster. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Get in touch. Get in touch with her. Get a seminar. Peace, everybody. Peace out. Thank you so much. Thank you. Good luck.